going to talk about some other some life group changes, but I think we'll do that next week. If you remember from last week, uh, we're in the season of Advent. And Joe made this last week and talked about hope. So I'm just going to light this candle again. And I'm also going to light this candle today, which is about love. And can you put my uh, PowerPoint? You know, I realise I haven't got the clicker. Guys, got the God bless you. Thank you, Will. You're a star. I think this guy keeps the church running, you know. <laughs> Thank you. If you remember last week, Joe spoke about how Advent means not chocolate, but waiting. One of the kids said, Advent means chocolate. <laughs> um, and Joe encouraged us that this is a time for preparing our hearts and to take time through December to just remember what this season is all about. She reminded us that in the run-up to Christmas, this is a time for preparation and a time for remembering how God's people waited, waited and waited for a Messiah and how we also wait for Jesus' return. She also encouraged us and challenged us not to get caught up in the commercialization and the hype of the Christmas season, but instead to reclaim Christmas. I wonder how it is that you find yourself or manage to stay focused on what Christmas is all about. If you're of a certain age, as in basically my age or perhaps a little bit older, perhaps a bit younger than me, you might remember this. Christmas isn't Christmas without the Blue Peter Advent crown, wouldn't you say, if you're of a certain age? The Advent wreath. Uh, we made one last week, as many of you did. Here's our JJ with his, uh, with ours at home. And um, this, this, obviously, this crown has four candles. Four candles? Four candles. Uh, it actually has five, which is why that joke doesn't really work. But it's four blue candles. Um, for hope, which we talked about last week. For love, which we're talking about today. For joy and for peace. And obviously the middle one is... I'm not going to hang that because it's going to be dangerous. But the white one is for Jesus. And uh, Joe talked about hope last week. Um, in the Christmas story, kind of the people that represent hope are the wise men. Um, the star was a sign that gave them hope. It gave them something to pursue, something to look for. God's people had been in a really dark time. For about 400 years, there's been no prophecy There'd be no word from God, and they're waiting for this promised Messiah. And yet, despite all that, they're clinging on to hope. And actually, that's what we still do now. Whatever our circumstances, whatever mess we find ourselves in, Jesus brings hope. And the story of his birth represents the very real hope that he brings. So whatever, wherever you're at, if you're actively looking for God or looking for more of God, in our lives. Christmas is a great time for remembering that hope. But that was last week's talk. This week's talk is about love. And we're just going to look at this passage in the Bible, which is from the book of 1 John, chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, or you've got a phone or an iPad with your Bible on it, um, it talks about love. And obviously I've, just, I've written the love, ca- I've lit the love candle. That sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> 
The dictionary defines love as a strong feeling of affection or a great interest in something or taking pleasure in something. And I think it's absolutely true that God, when we say God loves us, he delights in us and he takes pleasure in us. And the, the book of Zephaniah says that God rejoices over us with singing. I think I might have said this before, but in my mind that conjures up an image of God singing songs over his kids, a little bit like I do sometimes. The songs that I sing over my kids, particularly when they're little, are kind of silly little songs, but they're important. And I think God does the same thing for us. I think he has a special song for each of us. Uh, The Bible defines the love of God. It goes further than that. Um, The the theologians define it like this. They say the love of God means God freely and eternally giving of himself to others. Freely and eternally giving of himself to others. And they draw that from a number of passages in the Bible, but this is one of the key ones. Let's read it together. This is 1 John 4, 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, this is a really rich and wonderful passage. There's a lot in there, and we don't have time to really dig deep, but there are three things in there that I just want to briefly touch on that are really significant for us today. And the first is this, that God is the source of love. It says in verse 7 that love comes from God. And it says in verse 8 that God is love. And God's love has always been. It's always been there. It's always existed. Love was present and demonstrated between the members of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, even before the creation of the world. It's foundational. It's part of his DNA, if he has DNA. Jesus said in John 17, You love me, you... Father, love me before the foundation of the world. And in John 14, Jesus says, I do as my Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. There is love between the Father and the Son. There is love between the Father and the Spirit and the Son and the Spirit. God is a relational and loving God. Love is woven into his very nature. And we are invited right into the centre, into the fullness, into the completeness of that love, into that same bond. When we choose to follow him, it's like he weaves us in to the loving bond that is already there. Now, it's possible to experience love, and it's possible to love others to some degree. If you're not born of God, as John says, or you're not a follower of Jesus, that's possible. 
But this passage is saying that that love will only go so deep and that there is a depth of love which can only be experienced and expressed by those who've chosen to follow and love God. So God's love is fully present and it's fully available for all who seek him, for all who look for him. And that is an enormous encouragement as we try and follow him, whatever our situation, whatever our circumstance, whatever our background, whatever our history, whatever mess we think we've made of our lives, God's wonderful love is available. Now we're approaching Christmas. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know whether it's been a good year for you or an okay year or a pretty rough year or a completely (coughs) rubbish year. For me, this year's been quite a tough one. Um, For me, I've found that I've had to cling on to the love of Jesus, to the love of God, probably like no time in my life before. So those of you who know me know that significant things happened in our personal family life this time last year. In fact, I've got my diary entry from the 29th of December. This is my journal that I write. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, don't worry. Um, You'd be really bored, actually. It just rambles on. But 29th of December, which is coming up a year ago, um, it was actually the three-year anniversary of us moving, physically moving down to Winchester that day. That's the day that we moved three years before. My family had been for Christmas. My sister had got engaged on Christmas Day, which was wonderful, but my mum was clearly unwell. And um, in fact, she'd gone into hospital that day or the day before for exploratory tests. And uh, I was pretty tired. It's been a busy term and not really rested much. This is, I just thought it might be an insight for you. This is what I wrote in my diary. I mean, I wrote, I wrote two pages of what's happening, but I always tend to finish my journal entries with just a prayer, just a few words addressing God. And I wrote, Father, I love you. I need you. I want to serve you. I know I'm called by you. I need your inspiration and energy. I need your rest and restoration, replenishing love, grace, and peace. Thank you that no matter what the circumstances, you never, ever, ever let me go. Thank you. I love you. Kiss, kiss. Amen. That's how I write my... I don't know. if you, what, I don't know. Whatever. Um, my next entry... But the truth is, sorry, on that... I don't know if I necessarily felt that. But for me, it's a discipline just to write it anyway, whether I feel it or not, because then God knows that I mean it. I'm serious about it, because it's hard. uh, I find it hard to say things I don't mean, or to feel like I mean them when I'm saying them, even if I don't feel... Do you know what I'm saying? So I just find it's easier if I write it down, because then I show God and say, look, it's written down. You can see that it's there. And um, my next diary entry was three three to four days later, on the 3rd of January... And um, I started it with this phrase. um, This could slash should slash will be the year when I really grow up. I wrote that on the 3rd of January because at that point, uh, my mum's cancer had been diagnosed and clearly it wasn't looking good. Um, She had had four days in hospital over the new, just up to new year while they were running all these tests. And once she came out, basically even then, having just had four days in hospital, her legs packed up and stopped working. Her liver was basically packing up and she needed a lot of care and support. And I suddenly realized that I think this year is going to be different to how I planned it. 
And um, again, my prayer here was, Father, I'm so aware that in many ways I don't know how to act or feel. I really need your guidance and help in this situation. I don't know how to plan. Once more, I feel out of control. This isn't a bad thing, by the way, but this is just me expressing my feelings. Um, God, I affirm my faith in you, my repentance for my sin, my absolute need of you. Please come, Lord Jesus. And um, I mean, that was the start of the year. And to be honest, I only ever write in my diary when I'm feeling a bit down. <laughs> I, I do sometimes remember to write good things and thank him for stuff. And I, I make a point of saying, this has been great, this has been great, this has been great. But this is how I'm feeling now, you know. And, and for me, it's sort of part therapy, part just my relationship with God. It's just how I happen to express it. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do your relationship with God in the same way, but the point is that when difficult things happen and when we feel in despair and when people will wither it are hurting or in pain and when we feel out of our depth, that is when we have to cling to the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas is there for us to cling on to. And I'm still doing it. And I spoke with you a few weeks ago about declarations. I was inspired by Anna Pope to write declarations for myself. Oh, I'm just trying to find them now to read to you. And so I started writing some declarations for myself. Just the things that I know to be true about God that I want to remind myself every day. The first one says this, I am loved, treasured, and precious to God. My father, creator, and champion, he thinks I'm amazing. <laughs> I don't need to read you the rest. There's a few more. But it is a challenge to acknowledge that we need to hold on to God sometimes because I reckon I'm a pretty competent person. I've done most jobs there are to be done in a church, one way or another. I reckon I'm a pretty good listener. I reckon I'm pretty good at trying to help people who are struggling. But I'm not going to make it, am I, if I try and do this on my own? And that's why I, we, need to know the love of God right in the centre of my life and our lives Always, full stop. I've written full stop. So every day in every situation, the love of God, which goes far deeper than any human, has the ability to understand or comprehend or even give. And that same love, that same self-giving love that characterizes God, was also demonstrated for us. And if you read the next two verses in that chapter, that, we, that passage you just read, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent Jesus. He sent his son into the world. Now, God knew that Jesus was going to face the ultimate act of love. He, was, he knew he was going to go on the cross to pay for our sins. We Obviously, we celebrate that story at Easter, but the story starts at Christmas. Because Christmas is when it all came about, when he sent Jesus in. And if you think about it, if the wise men represent hope, then for me, the character of Joseph represents, that's the wrong one, There you go. That's what I want. The character of Joseph in the Christmas story is a fantastic example of showing and demonstrating sacrificial love. I mean, think about it for a minute. You know the story. Joseph's engaged to Mary. Mary's pregnant. He knows he's not the father. It's a massive leap of faith to believe that she didn't just get drunk at a party or sleep with somebody else. We know Joseph was an honourable and a good man because... Even against his custom, he decides, well, I'll just divorce her quietly. I won't bring shame to her family. And then he encounters this angel, 
and he becomes convinced that this is God, that God is really behind this thing. And at that point, he goes so far beyond just honourable and good. He makes a massive sacrifice. He risks his reputation, his family relationships, his business partnerships, and his standing within the local community in order to basically take the heat and look after Mary and love her and keep her as his wife. He's called to love his wife, and he's also called to love a little boy who he knows isn't his son. He has to face the cha- all of that and the challenge of being a stepfather, which again, in that culture, is a massive deal. I wonder if, growing up, Jesus ever turned to Joseph and went, you're not my father. <laughs> like they do in the dramas. I think he kind of did actually, didn't he? Because he, there was that story we read about when he was said, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Some of us probably know about this from first-hand experience. Step-parenting can be a challenge. I read this great quote, though. Ultimately, it said, fathers are defined by how they love, not by how they multiply or breed. And Joseph's act of selfless love and sacrifice is such an important part of the Christmas story because it demonstrates God's heart and paves the way for Jesus' ultimate sacrifice. And that kind of leads on to my last point, which is that whether we're fathers or mothers or stepfathers or stepmothers or brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, colleagues, workmates, housemates, schoolmates, old friends or new friends, whoever we are, knowing and experiencing God's love as we do, he invites us and asks us to love one another. And that's there in the last part of the passage. We also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. What we've just heard about with regard to explore is one way of outworking our love for one another. Our response to God's amazing and ultimate love, firstly, is to love him in return, and then to demonstrate that love by loving others and imitating the way that he loves us and imitating the way that he loves them. Have you ever found it hard to love someone? There's a knowing laugh. Have you ever thought about asking God how he feels about the person that you are finding it hard to love? That can be a real challenge. It can change our perspective. And as we've talked about recently, just a few weeks ago, it's the basis of the Christian community that we're part of. It's the currency that we use with one another. And it's that distinctive that's, that marks us out from the rest of general society. I mean, how many people are going to go into school and talk about what happened early in their marriage and how they were able to forgive their partner, work that through, and demonstrate an amazing love now. I and mean, how many people are going to do that? That's so distinctive. And that's just one example of how the love of God works out from us to others. Loving, of course, doesn't mean always accepting a certain kind of behavior when it's hurtful or wrong. You know, with my kids, sometimes I have to put a boundary in and say, this, no more. And that's not always easy to do. And often when that happens, I'm accused of not loving them. 
Has that ever happened to you? At which point I have this conversation, which I've had many times with all of my children at different times, where I say, no, it's actually because I love you that I'm not prepared to let this continue. But love doesn't mean just being trampled on. It means sometimes having difficult conversations because it's the most loving and honouring thing to do. That's, that's, as parents, we have to do that with our kids. But actually, we have to do that with each other quite a lot, don't we, as well? That's the reality. And my assumption is that all of us want to grow in godly character. And that means making good choices even when people hurt us. It means allowing the Holy Spirit to come and release forgiveness and not hold on to bitterness. Where necessary, it means confronting ungodly behavior in a calm, non-judgmental and godly way and loving way. Loving people means not that we have to continue letting them hurt us, but that we choose to grow in character through difficult and tricky situations rather than getting bogged down in pain and self-pity. And so all of this is possible because of the love of God. Knowing his presence living within us makes that even the most difficult, nightmarish situations possible. It's not always clear. It's not always easy to see from where we are. But the love of God, as demonstrated by Jesus at Christmas through the cross, is always there to cling on to. And that's the message of Christmas and the focus of Advent. I'm just, I'm just coming towards uh, the end, but there was an article I found from The Guardian a couple of years ago online, and it's called, What is Love? Theories from Scientists and Authors on What is Love. The scientist defined it... Do I have this or not? Oh, yeah, there you go. The scientist defines it as a chemistry in the brain. The philosopher defined it as a passionate commitment. The therapist suggested that there were lots of different types of love and that they needed to be found in family and community. And the romantic novelist pointed out that love drives all great stories. And all of those are true. But this is the one that I found the most poignant and meaningful. And this was from a Benedictine nun. And she said, the paradox of love is it is supremely free and yet it attaches us with bonds stronger than death. It cannot be bought or sold. There's nothing it cannot face. Love, she said, is life's greatest blessing. And that love is most deeply expressed in the heart of God, the Creator and the Father, as he reaches out to his people, just like he did at the first Christmas and just like he does right now as we wait expectantly to celebrate his love at Christmas. And we wait in the longer term for his physical return one day. And we wait right here, now, in the room, for his tangible presence. So as we reach out to him, we realize that he never actually lets us go. Those bonds stronger than death is what, the love, is what God holds us with. Whatever your situation, whatever despair, whatever crisis or pain or hardship or illness, whatever it is, and some of us really are going through it right now, and I know that, I know that, 
But there's an opportunity to cling on to the love of God. Just to reach out and hold on. And, and clinging on to the love of God is an active thing to do. It's something we actively do. It's push in, reaffirm, state the truth. Write it in your journal so he can see, if necessary. Kneel at the cross. Put a worship CD on. Read the Bible. Ask a friend to pray for you. Whatever it is we need to do to cling on to the love of God, that's the challenge. Now I'm going to do something that I often do. And I'm going to play, just I've got a video, and it's just an old hymn. Um, we don't really do hymns a lot here. <laughs> sort of old-fashioned words. It's called, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. You might know it, you might have heard it. It's a, but when I was telling um, Brian and Hilary I was going to do this this morning, Hilary said, oh, you should just look up the story behind that hymn, which I didn't know. But it's written by a guy called George Matteson. And it was written on the evening of his sister's marriage. And years before, he himself had been engaged until his fiancée learned that he was going blind. And there was nothing that the doctors could do. And therefore, his fiancée told him there was no way she was going through life with a blind man. So he went blind while studying for the ministry. And his sister had been the one who cared for him all through the years. But now she was gone. She's about to get married. And he's 40. And his sister's marriage brought a fresh reminder of his own heartbreak. And in the midst of that circumstance and the intense sadness that he was feeling, the Lord gave him this hymn, which he said he wrote in five minutes. As a songwriter, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go through that stuff to write the great songs, but anyway, that's how it works. I'm just going to play this, um, and it's just th two or three minutes long, but just allow the words to touch you, and then we'll just have a chance to respond at the end of it. I'm going to play that, guys.
and simply, Holy Spirit, come. And wherever we're at, and whatever is going on in our lives, may we know the fullness of your love, as expressed today already. And particularly for those of us who are struggling, and for those of us who feel that we can only just about cling on, may we know the fullness of your love, the love that will not let us go, will not let us go. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We welcome your presence. Welcome your presence. Thank you for waiting on you. Even Look, I can just sense the Holy Spirit resting on a whole number of people. He's here. If you need to know, particularly need to know, if you want to actively push in to holding on to the love of God, I'd love you to just have an opportunity to do that now. If you would value having someone pray with you, we would love to do that. If you want to just come and sit or kneel or stand before God, if you want to acknowledge the need of his love. By the way, it doesn't matter. He might have been down here to the front 30, 40 times this year already. It doesn't matter. If you know that you need to know the love of God and you need to push into it and actively take hold. Please don't leave until you've done that. And we, we have people we would love to pray with you. Maybe you just want to sit and soak in his presence where you are. Maybe you want to come and just take an active step and stance and come out. So if that's you, why don't you come down to the front and let's have one or two ministry people as well. Just come down and there's an opportunity. The guys will play real gently. There's just a chance to come and do business with God, no matter how hard life is, whatever's going on. Or maybe you're in a great place, but you just know you need more of Him. And that's fine too. That's fine too. So if that's you and you want to just come and respond, please do. If you sense the Holy Spirit touching you, if you sense something happening, if you've got um, kids in Blaze and Ignite, they won't be back yet. You've got another five minutes or so yet. If you've got little ones, you probably do need to go and collect them, but otherwise there's plenty of chance to, um, just to just to stay in his presence and to actively take hold. Hold on. Father, we thank you for this love that we've talked about this morning, the love that we see demonstrated at Christmas as you came. Thank you that we see your love demonstrated at Easter and demonstrated through our lives and in our community. We thank you for this love. The love that won't let us go. And now, Lord, whatever our circumstances are, wherever we're at, for those of us that just need to sense and feel a touch of your love, we just 
just want to push into that now. Would you just come meet with us? Come and have your way. Come and do what you want to do. Thank you.